The father of analytical psychology, Carl Jung, was famous for giving us the idea of archetypes. An archetype is a universal idea present in humanity, present across cultures and across eras. So, for example, there's a universal idea of a warrior. And in different cultures, it might take different forms. You might have a gladiator or a knight or a samurai or a cowboy. But in every culture, that warrior has the same characteristics. They have the same conceptual framework. The reason these ideas are universal is because they seem to spring from our humanity. Somehow embedded in our heart or embedded in our brain are these ideas. And they're present everywhere, no matter where you grew up or when you grew up. Well, I mention this because our second reading from the letter to the Hebrews seems to give us the archetypal properties for the priesthood. Priesthood is an archetype. It shows up in every human culture, every human religion. There are priests everywhere. And Hebrews is trying to get at what are these characteristics of a priest. Now, the name of the letter tells us this is coming from the Jewish perspective. But even so, the characteristics it gives us are universal. So what are those characteristics? First, Hebrews says, a priest serves as a representative of humanity before God. This is the functional definition of a priest. Whether we're talking about a pagan priest from the Greek or Roman religions, or like a naturalistic priest from the Native American religions, a shaman or a medicine man, or a Christian priest or a Jewish priest, all of them somehow fill the gap between the human and the divine. Humanity knows in our heart that there is that gap, that somehow we are separated from the divine. We are not the divine. And so a priest is put in place to try to bring humanity before the divine, to try to bridge that gap that we all feel. Second, Hebrews says that in order to serve in this role, a priest is chosen by God from among men. Both are necessary. If a priest is somehow going to get the attention of the divine, somehow going to be a representative of humanity to the divine, well, then he needs to be chosen by God. Otherwise, why would God listen to him? Why would God care about this guy rather than this guy? But second, the priest does need to be from the people that he serves. It's a poor representative who doesn't know the struggles and the failings and the problems of the people that he serves. It's true in democracy. It's true in priesthood. A priest must come from the people to be a good priest. And then finally, Hebrews says, a priest offers gifts and sacrifices. So the priest stands in the gap. He is chosen by God from the people. And then what does he do in that gap? He offers gifts and sacrifices. So in this universal conception of priesthood, we might think of, for example, a rain dance or a ritual. We can certainly think of the pagan sacrifices, the animals, sometimes the people that they would sacrifice. 
What the priest is doing is he's filling that gap, not just with himself, but with the things that he does, the gifts that he offers, the sacrifices that he makes to the divine. Now, like I mentioned, every archetype has to be localized. The idea, again, of a warrior might look different depending on the society and its values and how it thinks about war or battle or struggle. Similarly with the priesthood. It will look different depending on the culture that that archetype applies to. So how does the priesthood show up in Christianity? What does a Christian priest specifically look like? To answer that question, we have to realize there are three priesthoods in Christianity. First, there is the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Second, there is the priesthood of the baptized. And third, there is the ordained priesthood of the hierarchy. So let's go through those. First, the perfect priesthood of Jesus Christ. Now, quick tangent on archetypes. Sometimes you'll hear people say, Christianity is made up and they just copied off of other religions. Now, this is an incredibly ignorant thing to say, that Christianity Christianity is just made up from whole cloth. This person has not done any historical research at all. So, it's stupid. But, but they are right that Christianity shares many characteristics with other religions. We are not the first religion to have a priesthood. We are not the first religion to have this idea of a slain deity who is resurrected. We are not the first religion to have the idea of the virgin birth. But what Christians would say is if Jesus is who we say he is, and, and it's true, he is the God-man, if he is who he says he is, then of course we would have all of these archetypal ideas and we would have them in perfection. If humanity has embedded in itself somewhere an expectation of a God who might die and rise again, or an expectation of a virgin who can give birth, then, of course, Jesus would fulfill these expectations perfectly. So when we talk about the Christian priesthood, we are talking about the perfection of the priesthood. All of the priestly ideas of all of the religions are perfected in Jesus Christ. Let's go through the three characteristics. Jesus serves as a representative between humanity and God. In Christianity, we talk about Christ ascending into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. This is an image from court ritual, where the king would often have an advisor sitting at his right, whispering into his ear for all of the decisions that he has to make. This is what Jesus does. He sits at the right hand of our Father in heaven, pleading for us, interceding for us, being our representative to God the Father. And he does so perfectly because he perfectly fulfills the second characteristic. He is chosen by God from among men. Jesus himself is God, so there is no gap between him and the divine. He, chosen by God, he is the second member of the Trinity sent by the Father for this mission. There is no gap. So his intercessions, his pleading for us, are perfect. He is bringing our petitions perfectly to God. But he's doing so not just as God, 
But as a human being, Jesus himself was given flesh from the womb of the Virgin Mary. He is a human being. He sits at the right hand of the Father, not just as the second person of the Trinity, not just as the Son of God, but also as a human being. So his intercession, his acting as a representative, is the perfect representation. Perfectly God and perfectly man, meaning that there is no gap between the human and the divine. He is the perfect priest, the perfect representative. And then finally, a priest offers gifts and sacrifices. Well, if it's not obvious from the architecture of our church, Jesus offered himself on the cross. What did he offer? He offered himself. He is the God-man. The gift that he gave to God, the sacrifice that he made, was the gift of God himself. There is no more perfect gift. Jesus is the perfect priest because he is the perfect representative chosen from among men, and he offers the perfect gift, which is himself as God. Now, the dynamics of Christianity are such that whatever Jesus is, we, his followers, also are. In our baptism, we are united perfectly with the Lord, which means we are also brought into his perfect priesthood. This is to say, every single one of you who is baptized, every single one of you, is a priest of Jesus Christ. You are brought into the priesthood of Christ You participate and live out his priesthood. So again, three characteristics. What do you do? You, Christians, are representatives of humanity before God. You bring all of humanity, all of the struggles, all of the problems, all of the prayers, all of the petitions. You bring all of that before God. Because you are united to the priesthood of Jesus Christ. You serve as those representatives. The world needs you because the world needs priests. If we didn't have Christians in this world constantly interceding for the world, pleading for the world, praying for the world, if we didn't have these Christian priests, the world would collapse far worse than it already has. Your prayers are necessary. Second, you are chosen by God. You are chosen for baptism. Baptism is an infinite gift of God. It's not just a gift of your parents. It's not just something you did. It is a choice of God to bring you into his chosen people. You are chosen by God through baptism and raised up from among humanity. You are a good priest because you come from the world. Because you know the world, and you know the problems of the world, and the struggles of the world. You know what to bring from the world to God, because that's where you came from, through the font of baptism. And then finally, you offer gifts and sacrifices. Every single one of us offers gifts. Why are we here? To offer the Mass. What do we offer at the Mass? The bread and wine represent all of the gifts that you as priests offer to God the Father. But in addition, we offer sacrifices. As Christian priests, as the priests for the entire world, we are called upon to do reparation for the sins of the world. The world has a lot of sins. 
And when we do penances, make sacrifices, we are doing reparation for those sins. We are acting as priests for the world. That's what a priest does. A very practical application of this. When you come to Mass, what are you praying for? You exercise your priesthood everywhere. Every time you say a prayer, every time you enter into a sacrifice or a penance, you are always offering your priesthood. But your priesthood is particularly expressed at Mass. Whatever you bring is put on this altar. Whatever's on your heart is put on this altar. Who are you putting on this altar? What are you putting on this altar? What aspect of humanity are you bringing with you into this church to pray for at this Mass, to offer to the Father through this Mass? And then finally, we have the ordained priesthood. Jesus is the perfect priest. There is only one priest. It is Jesus Christ. We are priests because we participate in his priesthood. The same is true with the ordained priesthood. The ordained priesthood is a participation in the priesthood of Jesus. The question we might ask, though, is why is it necessary? Our Christian brothers and sisters, our non-Catholic brothers and sisters... They don't have an ordained priesthood, at least the Protestant branches. They don't have an ordained priesthood, most of them. They have the priesthood of Jesus Christ. They have the priesthood of all the baptized. But they don't live the ordained priesthood. Theoretically, we could have that Christianity. But we don't think that was the Lord's intention. We think he gave us the ordained priesthood. But why? What role does it play that's not already played by the priesthood of the baptized? Best I can tell, the Lord gave us the ordained priesthood because he loves you. It is really hard to be a priest for the world. You have to bring all of the struggles and all of the problems of humanity before this altar. And because the Lord loves you, he wants to make sure that you yourself receive the ministrations of a priest. You yourself have somebody praying for you and working for you and bringing your needs and desires and problems before the Lord. That's the role of the ordained priesthood. You are priests for the world. I am a priest for you. So again, three characteristics. I serve as your representative before God. I bring all of the needs and problems of my community, of our community, before the Lord. Two, I am chosen by God from among men. My primordial priesthood is my baptismal priesthood. My core identity is first and foremost my baptism. I would be a bad priest if I didn't know what it was like to sit in the pews and to minister to the world. Priests have to come from the people that they serve. And then third, I offer gifts and sacrifices. First and foremost, at the Mass. I am taking all of your gifts and sacrifices. I am uniting them together. We're united as the body of Christ. I'm uniting those together. I'm placing them on the altar, and then I'm offering up to the Lord. Every sacrament is a form of this. Every sacrament that the priest offers. Sacrament of of confession. The church actually says, I'm supposed to do penance for my people. I am supposed to make sacrifices for my people, because that is what a priest does. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't end this homily with a plea for the ordained priesthood, for vocations to the ordained priesthood. Like I said, a good priest comes from the people that he serves. 
you are good priests, you participate well in the priesthood of Jesus because you come from the world. I am a good priest because I come from the baptized. At this moment, the United States is becoming a missionary territory. We import far more priests than we export. And praise God for that. It is only by the generosity of such men like Father Thumby and Ferndale, who came to us from another country and now serves here, it is only by his generosity that our people still have the sacraments. But, but it is easier for a priest to serve his people if he comes from the same culture that he is serving. I was raised in Western Washington. I know the issues that our people deal with in our schools, in our politics, in our area. I know. I was there. I come from that. We need more men who, who know that. We need to raise up men from our own communities so that our people can be served by a priest who can sympathize with their weaknesses and can sympathize with their struggles. Our missionary priests absolutely sympathize with us very well, but it is our responsibility to make sure that our people are served well. It is our responsibility to make sure that our community is raising up priests for the church. Of course, we have to all live out our baptismal priesthood. But I feel bad by how little time I can spend living out my ordained priesthood in serving you. The number of weeks out people have to schedule with me, the lack of time I have to go to their homes to have dinner, just the sheer number of people whose names I don't know. If we had two or three more priests, that would be way less of a problem. The fewer ordained priests we have, the less care the church receives, the less you are supported in living out your own priesthood of the baptized. We have to be talking to young men about the priesthood so that you can receive the love that Jesus Christ wants to show you through the ordained priesthood. A practical suggestion. How often, when a young man is, a young man is asking what he should do with his life, do we talk about priesthood? We might tell him, yeah, you could be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or a scientist or a journalist. How often do we put priesthood on that list? We need to normalize talking about the priesthood. We need to make it normal that young men would consider the priesthood. That young men would go to seminary not because they're convinced they're a priest, but because they're convinced enough that they want to give it a shot. Maybe a year or two in seminary. Never hurt anybody. There's good formation that happens there. We have to normalize that conversation so that our young men are thinking about it and are open if God calls them. The second thing we need to do is to talk about the joy of service. If you live out your Christian priesthood as priest of Jesus Christ with joy, then we can have this idea that living the service of priesthood is a joyful experience. And then the ordained priesthood doesn't look that weird. Living my life in service to the world and living my life in service to the church are inherently connected. All of us are called to live life in service to the world. Some of us are called to live life in service to the church. But they build off of each other. If we can serve the world joyfully, if we can be priests for the world joyfully, then it makes sense for young men to be priests for the church joyfully as well. I 
even on the hard days, would never trade my priesthood, my ordained priesthood, for anything. Living my life in service to you, the people of God, so that you can live your life in service to the world, is an incredible joy. Something that God has blessed me with that I never experienced. And that I wish more young men would live, because it's truly a beautiful life.